This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you back for another day. A lot of good stuff coming up on today's show. I'll chat with a couple of gopher football players that I had a chance to catch up with in a group setting. Um, some interesting answers from uh, Thomas Rush, defensive lineman for the Gophers, and Tanner Morgan, quarterback for the Gophers. Maybe a little bit of stuff that's not quite so much focused on the season at hand, but more just kind of philosophy on how they approach the season, how they watch football games. So I thought they uh, they had some good, thoughtful answers that I wanted to share with you. I'll also catch up with Randy Johnson, Gophers football beat writer, Gophers football team, number one in FBS in total offense and total defense through two games. I did not realize that till looking at it a little bit more closely in the last couple days. That is impressive. I don't care who you play, and I know they had not played great teams or even good teams or even mediocre teams um, in New Mexico State and Western Illinois, but uh, when you are number one in a an entire division category after two games, that gets my attention, so we'll see how that progresses as the year goes on. They play Colorado on Saturday before things start to get really tough a week after that against Michigan State in the Big Ten opener. Got to get to Minnesota United in a little bit, too. Tough, uh, maybe a tough result, 1-1 draw against LAFC, the cream of the Western Conference crop, but maybe a satisfying result in a certain degree as well because they needed some points in that game and at least got one. But first, what did I miss? Let's start, of course, with the Twins and Joe Ryan, seven hitless innings through 106 pitches And then you get to the point where we've gotten so many times in baseball in recent years where, you know, a generation ago, two generations ago, it is a no-brainer. The starter is staying in the game um, to try to finish off the no-hitter, right? Because pitch counts didn't matter as much before. Um, Let's face it, pitch counts didn't didn't usually get as high as that um, that early in the game before because fewer pitches were being thrown in a lot of cases per, per plate appearance, things like that. So you had a pitch count that was generally going to be Lower, not everybody going for the strikeout, things like that. But that's a digression. Joe Ryan gets there at 106 pitches. That's pretty good shape. But manager Rocco Balelli decides to take him out at that point. The combined no-hitter gets broken up in the ninth inning. Royals score a few runs, but no real damage done there. Twins do win 6-3, keep pace in the AL Central race for whatever that is worth. They are still five back of Cleveland, which won. Still a couple games behind Chicago, which also won. But that race probably factors in in the back of their minds, right? They are still trying to strive to get back a little bit closer, make this interesting at the end. Still do have a lot of games left against Cleveland and Chicago to perhaps make up some ground. You are not out of it until you are mathematically eliminated. So Rocco Baldelli decides to take Joe Ryan out of the game, doesn't want to push him too far. The rookie pitcher, I get it, but it's also, you know, also one of those moments where, you know, you want to see someone have a chance to finish off something that's, you know, history making is maybe a little bit excessive because there have been a lot of no hitters thrown. There's been a lot of no hitters thrown lately. It's not this kind of like event maybe that it used to be, but as for an individual accomplishment for the fans who are watching, I know for myself, anytime I've ever been in a baseball game and there's a chance at a no hitter, it is the, the atmosphere at the ballpark changes. And I think that's the the energy you felt at Target Field on Tuesday night where people were excited about it, people were getting into it, and there's a tremendous letdown when you find out that that is not going to be given a chance to happen. And I think, you know, I think the the 
the knowledge, the uh, you know, the the intellectual thought about it was was good. You want to save Joe Ryan um, for you know for another start for for save him for the rest of his career. I get that, but you, you can also feel disappointed to a certain degree. And I think that's the message Rocco Baldelli was trying to convey after the game. Just because looking at the situation, you want to let him keep going. You want to let him keep going. Uh, but also, he also has to pitch in five days for us again in uh, what's going to be hopefully a very important situation uh, for our team. Um, so just kind of balancing all of that, um, you know, the decision was made to take him out of the game, and I know that's a hard hard decision, one, to make, but hard decision to, to watch for everyone that's, you know, pulling for our team too. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to do what you think is, is right, even though uh, that was a hell of a start. You know, and that's fair. And I think uh, I think Joe Ryan had a good diplomatic answer about it too. I think he was pretty. Dis- I could think you, if you if you listened between the lines, I think you could tell he was disappointed that he wasn't allowed to go deeper. But also, you understand where the season is at, where your career is at, and um, so here was Joe Ryan after the game as well. I definitely wanted to stay in the game. I understand why I came out. Um, I yeah, I, I don't think. I've earned the right to really fight with him too much on that. Um, he's made some really good decisions this year and f- as far as taking me out at the right time as well. So um, I'm never going to be mad at him for that. Um, obviously, the competitive side, like I want to stay in the game and, and finish that out and at least, yeah, whatever. But um, I mean, having Giovanni come in there, I had all the confidence that it was going to get done anyway. So really wasn't um, affecting the emotions too much. I just pleaded a case. I wouldn't say I was grilling him or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitch count obviously comes into play, and um, yeah, I mean we're we're trying to win some games, and I'm throwing in five days again too. So I think going there for what probably 130, 135. Um, haven't done it this year, so we're going to reach a new level of soreness probably after that. Um, so I totally understand, and we're in a hunt. So think we just make the right decision for the team and uh yeah a couple larger points i want to make about this before we're, we're done talking about it one i feel like we have this debate all the time now in baseball and maybe we should stop having it because we're we're, we're having this debate because we have this idea of what's normal and the, the normal has been replaced um you get over 100 pitches that's a lot these days you get deep into a game with a no hitter you're going to get taken out in a lot of these games Clayton Kershaw someone who has certainly earned the right to go deeper in games to try to finish off a no hitter he got taken out of a game against the Twins earlier this year when he had one going so I I get it I get it intellectually but maybe we need to stop having this debate every time because it's not really a debate it is just what happens b this also though does speak to something that does bother me sometimes in sports where People are so future-oriented. Teams are so future-oriented, worried about what's going to happen next if they do this. So much invested in players, so much invested in seasons that I I understand it intellectually. But you know the worry about having Joe Ryan pitch, you know, potentially thirty more pitches, and, and what might have how that might affect his next start. Well, we don't know. We don't know if he might have given up a hit on the next pitch, and then he gets taken out, and everybody's still happy. He might have gone the distance and been fine the next game. We don't know that. We know what the odds are. We know what the percentages are. So it bothers me how future-oriented things are sometimes these days. And, you know, people aren't allowed to just roll the dice, see how it goes, because so much is put into these games. Speaking of so much put into these games, Minnesota United, 1-1 draw against um, LAFC. Kind of a controversial game in a certain degree. 
Um, Adrian Heath, Loon's manager, critical of um, critical of a decision by referee Tim Ford uh, late in the first half. So LAFC uh, Christian Arango had already had one yellow card, then had a then kicked the ball away, wasted time. I saw the replay. He definitely kicked it. You know, kicked it pretty far away. Definitely wasting time, and that is a that is by definition a yellow card offense. If he would have been given another yellow card, shown another yellow at that moment, uh, he would have been he that would have been a red. They would have been down a man, and that would have been you know a a momentum changer in in this match. As it was, you know the Loons scored in the forty uh, fifth minute anyway, got a one nothing lead, but uh, but LAFC equalized in the second half, got that 1-1 draw. The Loons need every point they can get right now. They're still battling right now, trying to make the playoffs, and they are going to be without star Emmanuel Reynoso in their next game because he um, he got a he got a, a, a yellow card, an accumulation of yellow cards, um, but that, that's going to make him suspended for that match against San Jose. I'm sorry, against, uh, against Sporting Kansas City. So, a lot of drama going down to the finish line for Minnesota United. A lot to a lot to play for still. A lot going on. You know, I think they played a quality match against LAFC. Might have wanted to get a slightly better result, but will take some points anyway. So we will see how that impacts them going forward. Whether that whether those yellow card decisions, one in each direction, has an impact on the Major League playoff standings once we get down to the final results. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. So I'll get to Randy Johnson here in a few minutes, Gophers football beat writer for the Star Tribune. But I was over at Gopher Football Media Access on Tuesday, something I hope to do every uh, every week going forward. I just feel like this team is going to have a lot of stories to tell, is going to have you know maybe a season that's you know not just worthy of you know good attention, but but maybe beyond that. So I'm going to try to build that into more of a regular podcast feature, getting a lot of those players on this show and. I had a chance to chat. It was in a group setting, but I had a chance to chat um, with you know both uh, Thomas Rush, defensive lineman for the Gophers, and Tanner Morgan, their quarterback. And just kind of a what struck me in the questions I was able to ask them was kind of how they approach the game in the in the case of Thomas Rush and how they watch the game in the case of Tanner Morgan. Um, you know, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with uh, playing a little bit of the the Thomas Rush answer that he gave me, just in talking about you know I'm. I'm always amazed you know we in the media have a a narrative almost so sometimes we construct a narrative out of what's going to happen and players have this kind of singular focus especially within the gophers program of you know always always being focused on the next thing always being focused on you know what's happening that week not looking ahead and I'm, i'm just genuinely curious how they were able to do that because that is not how i'm wired i don't think that's how how a lot of us are wired Something good happens, you start to extrapolate. Something bad happens, you start to extrapolate. All of a sudden, you've you've penciled in how the thing is going to go. You know, one tenth of the way in. So, I asked Thomas Rush, like, how how are you able to kind of maintain that that kind of focus? I think uh, Coach Flex and uh, Coach Flex messages to us and just kind of us in individually as a defense, um, we've kind of naturally 
uh, and the way Coach Rossi uh, gives it to us in terms of what our response would be for the next week and then so forth and so forth is just that each season is its own or each week is its own season. You know, it's it's right now it's zero and zero for Colorado. When we were at New Mexico State, it was that week we were zero and zero in the New Mexico State season. So, um, you know, e- each game is its own entity. One is not more important than the other. Uh, the next one is the most important one. Um, so, whatever happened in the past is irrelevant, and we gotta learn from it and get on to the next one. Um, you, know, you, you go throughout each week and you reset the button and get a new game plan and learn it to the best of your ability, watch film, do all that stuff, and then you go out and play. And that's just kind of how we go through our process. And each week it's like that. And I think that helps us focus in on, um, you know, this game and what it's worth and not worry about what's coming up next, what happened in the past, what's down the road and however many weeks. Um, so I think that's something that, that uh, we as a defense kind of embody a lot too with just being – this game's important. You got to focus on it. Nothing else matters. Now I had to follow that up. Obviously, I said, Thomas, really? You, does this mean you don't peek ahead at all to any of the upcoming games? Um, I mean, obviously, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm looking at, oh, well, these guys, and someone comes up, oh, this team runs this too. Okay, so that's something to look for. You know, it's going to happen. But in terms of just I'm watching film or whatever, like I'm. You know, Saturday after the games, you turn on football and you see the scores. That's probably the only time I ever see anything in terms of uh, this team played this team and this was the outcome. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say pretty much the opponent for the week is the opponent for the week, and I'm not worried about anything else. And I don't think any of the other guys are either. No, I think that's fair. But I know, we all know, there are bigger games coming up on the schedule than Colorado. Colorado will be a better test probably than Western Illinois and New Mexico State were. But uh, those are, you know, Colorado's not a, not a great team, even though they're a Power 5 team. Week after that, they play Michigan State on the road. Michigan State, a very good team. That will be a test. That's a bigger test. But if they allow themselves to start thinking about that game, they might be in trouble against Colorado, or they might be in trouble just in general with how they're thinking. So that that piece of it is interesting to me, how they don't you know or at least they say they don't and it sounds like they, they, their actions back up their words how they are able to stay focused and in the moment rather than peeking ahead like so many of us do second piece i wanted to share with you was some uh, some back and forth ahead with tanner morgan the, the obviously the gophers several year quarterback you know back for his his super who his super sixth season uh has been playing very well for the gophers so far this season and i was curious like this is another kind of question about how how they watch the game, how things evolve for them that's different than the way we do things in the media or just as casual fans. So I asked Tanner Morgan, like, how do you how do you watch football? Are you able to disengage from kind of the film study mentality, or are you still kind of, you know, watching whether it's a pro game, a college game, whatever it might be, if you're just casually watching it or just watching it for fun, are you still watching it through some sort of critical lens? Uh, I think, you know, I definitely watch it from a certain lens, but there's always that fan aspect when you're watching a game from TV um, because it's cool to, you know, stadium, all that. I mean, I've been watching football games my whole life, Um, but I definitely, when I'm watching a game, I'm more like, oh, like, you know, the Monday night football game, like, Okay, it's T4 situation. They got to drive. Ooh, what would I do if I was the coach here? Oh, I might have taken a timeout or I might have done this. Whatever. I'm not saying, like, for an example of whatever. Like, I'm always putting myself in the situation of the coach or the quarterback. Like, 
okay, if that was me, man, I might have checked it down or I might have done this. Or like, oh, man, that was a great play. And that's what's cool is you take those opportunities to learn from it. Uh, but it is enjoyment. Like, it's fun to watch football. Um, but then it's fun to get your mind going and understand, like, oh, man, I could have done – if I was in this situation, what would I have done? Or would I have thrown it away? Or would I have, you know, escaped the pocket and, oh, what would happen if this and that? The, the kind of the if-then game um, is fun for me to do when I'm just on the couch watching watching football game. And of course, I had to have some fun after he said that. I said, you know, Tanner, you know, you you brought you brought up the the Broncos game from Monday night. We all had a, a field day criticizing um, Denver. I didn't I didn't say that to him, but I said, if you were, you know, if you were Russell Wilson, would you have wanted a crack at it on fourth and five? Man, I don't know. Um, I think it goes down to, you know, there's always a line to gain of where you feel comfortable with your kicker, right? And they obviously felt comfortable with their kicker. I mean. And that's what it all comes down to is giving yourself the best chance to be successful in those situations. And, um, you know, just barely missed it. And that story would have been completely different, right? So understanding that situation is cool because um, it was like a 64-yarder, right? But the guy, like, was inches away from nailing it. So, you know, some people might be like, oh, that was dumb or whatever. But, like, if they made it, they wouldn't have said that. You know what I mean? So it it's always, like, cool to understand – and watch it from my perspective or, you know, of what a coach does, what a player does. And, you know, putting yourself in the fourth and five, you have a chance at both, you know, of like, okay, we feel good about the kick. You know, what's our best fourth and five call? Do we, like, what do we feel is a higher probability, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know. There's a lot of ifs and ends then, but, you know, they, they put themselves in a chance to, to do it and it just didn't happen that one time. But, who knows? The story could have been completely different, and that's what's cool about football is there's a lot of story changers in a game, and it's not just one play, not just a kick, or not just an incomplete pass or an interception, but a lot of plays that could have changed the story of any single football game, which makes it fun. Now, again, call that diplomatic if you want. Call it nuanced if you want. Um, I think it was a great answer from him, though, because it does show there's many, many, many key plays in the game. There's a different way that a player watches a game that a player thinks about a game that maybe we do as we're just watching at home. Um, it's just kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm always curious, curious to just kind of pick an athlete's brain, kind of get in, get into their head, how they're watching, what they're watching for. And so I found that from Tanner Morgan to be particularly interesting. And I hope you did as well. All right, let's bring in Randy Johnson, Gophers football beat writer. Now, um, obviously Randy can't get, a whole lot better than the start they've had so far. They're two and zero, I believe. The they've outscored opponents one hundred to ten. Is that correct? Yeah. In this, that combined? is correct. One hundred to ten. And uh, so they're you know scoring ten times as many points as their opponent uh, in FBS. They have the number one overall, um, just number one overall offense, number one overall defense in terms of yards per game. Uh, the scoring offense and defense are up there. The rush defense, rush offense, everything up there pretty high. And again, opponents notwithstanding, we know New Mexico State and Western Illinois are not going to be uh, hoisting any trophies this year or anything like that, but beats the alternative of playing close games against bad teams. What what have we learned even against marginal competition through two games? I I think they've learned that, you know, this team is pretty focused. You know, they're out there. uh, PJ is called a workman-like, and that's kind of what it's been. It's been, and they're having fun doing it. And it's not not the biggest uh, 
basic basically the biggest uh you know opponents they're, they're seeing or anything uh but they've just went about their business uh gotten big leads and gotten to the point where it's a kind of a name your score game and then they get get the reserves in uh third quarter usually or or by the fourth and you know they get them a little bit of a, a chance to run the offense even if like we said we expected this have they have they been to me, they've been even a little bit better. Again, hard to know so much against the quality of competition, but they've they've seemed like they are pretty crisp. Like like I don't know, you just kind of get a sense from a team that it's not just any team that can get itself into a name it score game. You saw like you've seen upsets, you've seen you know closer games with with, with you know some of these directional schools already this year with some of these other teams in the Big Ten. And again, maybe you know. New Mexico State and Western Illinois are, you know, on the on the bad side of the of of that spectrum. But you know, all that said, I feel like they're a little bit better even than I thought they were going to be. Is is that a fair characterization, or would you say we just simply don't know yet? I would say it's a fair characterization. There, you know, yeah, I I did not expect them to be quite as sharp as they have been. The one the one thing that uh, I, I was impressed with on uh, last Saturday, uh, the the situation they get the ball first, uh, they fumble it away. But they responded right away. They, the defense gets a, a fourth down stop, gets the offense the ball back, and the offense proceeds to uh, score on their ten next possessions. Uh, it, it's basically they're you know they're not um, letting anything get in their head. Uh, uh, you know when you're going against these these teams that are that are huge underdogs and they're you know, just, just putting them out of their putting them out of their misery pretty quick. Um, one of the things we wanted to see going into the year was maybe a little bit more balance on offense. This is always going to be, and PJ Fleck wants to run the ball. We know that, and that's, that's good. And that can be their identity, but at some point you're going to have to throw the ball. You need to have that balance. And I think they've achieved that to a pretty good degree so far. And it looks like Tanner Morgan's got some people to throw to. He's got some people to kind of spread the ball around to at least so far. What, what can you say about the kind of evolution of the passing game as they, you know, back under Kirk Shiraka and, you know, with Tanner Morgan now in his 18th season as Gophers quarterback. Yeah, Tanner's been pretty sharp this year, completing 73% of his passes. And he's he's had clean pockets, too. He hasn't been sacked yet. And then it gets New Mexico State when he was flushed out a couple times. He did some nice work with his feet to uh, extend drives. Um, he's been sharp. Kirk, I think, uh, has been a, a big difference this year with him back there. It, they're, they're calling plays. They're reading the defense very well. Uh, this past week, basically, when uh, Western Illinois stacked the box, they said that they opened it up a bit. Then they, Western Illinois pulls back a bit. Then they give them more doses of Mo and Trey Potts. Um, basically, they've got a good rhythm going there, and they and they have some uh, uh, decent number of targets that they can go to. It, it's they've they're really developing uh, Brevin Span forward very well at tight end. He had a 45 yard touchdown catch uh, last weekend um, on a really nice. It was a late developing play and. Tanner found him. It was a really nice throw. Now, again, like we've said, the competition has not been great. Colorado seems like in name, it would be a step up. It's a power five school. It's a, it's a school that, you know, if you look back in history has had, you know, some excellent teams, not so much the case this year. Is this at least more of a challenge or is this more of the same this week? I think it's more of a challenge uh, with the asterisks. <laughs> it could still be more of the same too, but you know, maybe not that the margin yeah, yeah, Colorado. You're gonna you're gonna have uh, athletes from a Power Five conference team. Uh, you're gonna have a, a big defensive line. You're going against. Uh, you're 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 gonna have uh, a couple quarterbacks who haven't 
produce a lot yet, but they're they're athletic enough to give you some problems. Uh, they're yeah, it's they just haven't put it together there yet. Um, last week they got drilled 41-10 by Air Force and Air Force rushed for 435 yards, so basically just kept the ball the whole game and and, and kept it away from Colorado and Colorado just couldn't get anything going. It's one of those service academies that the Gophers were emulating last year with their run game and pass run pass ratio, isn't it? Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, more like ground force. Um, so you know, it's a uh, it it is interesting to 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 think about you know how much of a jump this is going to be when they go from these three teams to suddenly Michigan State, a very good team in their Big Ten opener. Um, you know, ten whatever ten days from now, however long it is. Um, and I had, um, Thomas rush. I played a, a clip from him earlier, earlier in the show, just kind of talking about how they don't, you know, they're locked in. They always, you know, they always talk about zero and zero on, you know, whatever season they're on. We though can look ahead. Um, and it's, it's going to be, pretty, it's going to be a pretty big jump up. Um, and again, we, we don't know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You assume though, that they will be able to take care of business if they stay focused against Colorado. How do you think they are then set up for, you know, that, that Michigan state game and beyond? Yeah, I think, you know, Knockwood, the health has been very good so far. They'll they'll be getting Daniel Jackson, a wide receiver who was second on the team last year and catches. Uh, they'll be getting him back possibly this weekend, I would say for certain um, next weekend. Uh, he, he almost was able to go last weekend. So that'll be a nice little boost in the, in the passing game. Yeah, they've, they've, uh, they've, they've stayed pretty much healthy so far. It, 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 I think what's nice for them or what's worked for them is they, they've – they've stayed in attention to everything, attention to details, and that that'll help them when they get to a game uh, against a better opponent like Michigan state. You know, that's, that's one that I've always pointed out one the whole season. That's going to be a good bellwether game to see where this program is, you know, how competitive they will be against the Spartans. Can they go there and get the win? And that's that game obviously won't tell the entire story of the season. I mean, but again, looking ahead and even looking back right now, the big 10 West feels very, wide open it's felt you know fairly open for a couple of years i would imagine too and and they had they had their chances in certain years to you know to to do even a little bit more than they were able to accomplish in 2019 and 2021 you know that said you look at wisconsin losing iowa can't score um nebraska's already fired scott frost i mean nobody in the big 10 west won last week did they except for the gophers uh uh purdue purdue won purdue won so that's a minute but barely anybody else that's it so, I mean, if you're talking about that, you're talking about just like some of the teams that are kind of their, their chief, who you would think of as their traditional, like these are the teams that are probably going to contend, you know, again, Wisconsin seems like it has a, a clunker every year. So whatever, we'll see what happens when they, win, when they get into conference play. But um, it does feel like this is, this is a year where they could, if, if they are as good as they've played so far against these bad teams, if they, if they keep this going against the rest of the conference, they could be in position to do some good things. Yeah, you know, you got to wait and see what happens when they play those teams. And, you know, these teams have a right to improve as the season goes along. And I think they don't, I don't see Wisconsin, you know, spending the whole season making the mistakes they did last weekend against Washington State. You know, I think they'll, they'll get things righted there. Uh, Iowa, the offense is as bad as it can be right now. It'll, it'll improve some. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a situation where the Gophers, they, they have a chance. It's, does that guarantee anything? No, not at all. But they seem to have the type of team that that uh, can hang with everybody in there, and I, I they they might be talent wise right up there with, with anybody else in the West. Iowa's offense has fourteen points and sixteen punts 
this year so far. Not uh, not great. Has only made a cameo appearance so far this year. Did you see what it did there? Have you followed the yes, story, Randy, of uh, poor uh, poor Brian Ferentz, their offensive coordinator, getting trolled um, with unwitting messages from Bob Stoops and his own basketball coach, Fran McCaffrey. Um, I don't know who did that, but that was brilliant. Yeah, that was, that was fun to see. And, and those were heartfelt messages that both gentlemen know. To, to some Brian, not not Brian Ferentz, but to, Brian. to some Brian. Uh, there was you know, this video messaging service. If you're not familiar with Cameo, the listeners out here, um, somebody paid um, Bob Stoops and and uh, and and Fran McCaffrey to uh, do video messages to a Brian about. I know you're going through a tough time. Your dad still loves you. Stuff like that. It was obviously um, obviously to make it sound like it was directed at Brian Ferentz, even though it wasn't. But it was uh, it was some pretty good stuff. Oh, the the best was the the line about uh, getting out of the family business. Yes, or uh, I know you might be thinking about going back to New England. That was the yep. that was the. Fr- <laughs> that uh, the college football doesn't get much better than uh, than that. But on a serious note, um, like we said, Scott Frost fired already from the Nebraska job. And you wrote earlier this week the the speculation whenever somebody gets fired from a high profile job is inevitable because PJ Flex done a good job here. Happened last year with the USC job. It's happened again now already where you, know, you see the odds makers, you see whoever it is, the, the people that put the lists together. Maybe he's not, you know, in the top five spot on those lists, but he's in that conversation always. Um, and, and, and you got to, you have to pay attention to that kind of thing when, when these openings happen. Yeah. You know, PJ pretty much shot it down. Uh, of course. That said, you know, you know, he's focused on, he's not answering, he's focused on, on his team and, you know, call it, you know, saying this is kind of ex- external noise, that type of thing. And I, you know, that's what you have to do. And it's, yeah, I, I, I would be I would be stunned if he ends up there. Although I mean I I, I just don't see that as what Nebraska's looking for necessarily. I, I think they'll probably they'll take a long look at their interim Mickey Joseph, I imagine. But there, there's other names, just some interesting names there. Uh, um, uh, Leipold at, at Kansas, who's d- done a really good job there. Um, and we you know, had a, had the, uh, the the dynasty at Whitewater uh, back you know back you know 10, 12 years ago. Um, you know, there, there, there are the Iowa State uh, coach too, Matt Campbell. Um, you know, he's he's always on, on somebody's short list. Um, yeah, it, it it would be an attractive job. It might not have the same luster it did, say, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it's fair for him to say thanks, but no thanks, or at least to uh, to, to make that uh, his public stance. Um, well, Randy, great stuff. We'll be reading your coverage this weekend of Gophers versus Colorado and certainly beyond that as well thanks for joining me here today i appreciate it mike fun time as a postscript to my conversation earlier with tanner morgan let's finish with the cooler even denver's own head coach is having second thoughts kind of seeing that play from monday night a little bit differently nathaniel hackett asked about it on tuesday said looking back at it definitely should have gone for referring to the decision to either try a 64 yard field goal or go for a fourth and five play with russell wilson as your quarterback getting down to the final moments of that loss to seattle where they lost 17 16 um you know obviously it didn't work out for them. It, you know, McManus has a big leg, could have made it, but he is still now just one of five on field goals of more than 60 yards in his career. And uh, the ESPN story says, according to ESPN stats and information, teams converted 48% of their fourth and five plays last season. So you give Russell Wilson a chance to make five yards, you got a kind of a coin flip chance of getting it. You move into much better field goal range, or you kick it there. 
And Hackett said it kind of goes back and forth. You know, the 46-yard line was the line they wanted to get to, and that's where they got to. He said, that's part of being in this seat, being in this profession. This stuff is going to happen at all times. It's been happening my whole career. Even when my dad was coaching, you're prepared for that. You understand that you've got to keep grinding. So just kind of a fun, you know, what-if moment. I think I think uh, Tanner Morgan was right. If he makes that kick, we're not talking about it as much. We're saying, hey, you know, maybe maybe we're, st- we're talking about was that the right decision, but it was a t- decision that worked. So an outcome-based judgment, I don't know if we should always be making those, but you can see it both ways, and it appears that Nathaniel Hackett, even, the guy who made the decision, is now seeing it both ways. That will do it for today. Lots of good stuff coming up on the show later this week. Hope you will join me on Thursday and Friday as well. I am Michael Rand. We will talk to you tomorrow.